This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome to Save a Production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about boiled peanuts. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I like how uh, some people might be not entirely sure what that is. Yep. Yeah, it's a very southern thing um, here in the United States. It, it, the, it, the, in these are modern times. Um, I, I have heard that other places around the world that produce a lot of peanuts, perhaps China, um, uh, has a regional variation on this. But yeah, here in America, it's pretty much just the South and a very specific little corner of the South. Yes. And I like how pretty much everyone in the South has their boiled peanut dude. And it's usually somebody on the side of the road, and I'm still not sure that's legal. I have many questions about people who just sell stuff from tents or their truck on the side of the road. But you go there. I think it varies state to state. <laughs> I'm, not sh- I'm not honestly sure about Georgia, but anyway, yeah, I've yeah. been meaning to look into it for a long time. Just curious. Okay, new, new research topic. Yes. Cool. Um, Future episode. Exactly. My, my mom definitely has a guy. She, like, knows his kids. <laughs> it's the whole thing. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, and he, he's one of those guys that's just on the side of the road, but he's always there. Yeah. Um, and you can find you can find boiled peanuts all over the place here. You can find them in gas stations. You can find them in cans or sure. in bags at grocery stores mm-hmm. or on fancy menus in restaurants. Everything in between. Boiled peanuts everywhere. This year, my favorite dish at Atlanta Food and Wine was an Indian dish 
but with a southern flair, and uh, it had boiled peanuts in it. Oh, wow. And mm. I'm so bummed because we were leaving for Hawaii, like, the like, next night. Yeah, within a 24-hour period. Yes, and I just, I had all my koozies, <laughs> and I had all my other stuff that I collected, and I just dumped it on the floor and said, I'll handle this when I got back, and I still have not oh. dealt with it. Oh, so you don't know but, who that dish is from. And the recipe is in there, too. Oh, I could wow. make it. Dude, okay, all right. Well, we'll handle that <laughs> for no other reason than the boiled peanuts. Oh, yes. I'd never had anything quite like that. It was amazing. I've heard it referred to as one of the caviars of the South because I've also heard black-eyed peas described as caviar of the South. So I guess anything that looks kind of like caviar is the caviar well, of the South. It's round and people like it. Exactly. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never eaten boiled peanuts until about three or four years ago. It was when we moved into this office uh, here in Pond City Market. And there's there's a bar down the street that serves boiled peanuts. And uh, either coworkers or maybe a guy that I was dating at the time, uh, yeah, bought them mm-hmm. and kept buying them. Yes. And eventually I was like, okay, let me try one of those. Because I don't think I'd even heard of them. Really? Until I moved to Atlanta. Like, I if, if we had them in central Florida, I did not notice them for sale. But mm-hmm. one of the first things that I noticed for sale on the side of the road when I moved to Atlanta was a, a big block letter sign, like, written on plywood for boiled pea nuts. Like, yes. the letter P and a dash and then mm-hmm. the word nuts. And I was like, that sounds gross. I don't understand <laughs> this whole yeah. southern thing. What the heck? They have grits. I don't get it. Like, I was very confused about a number of culinary things for a number of years. Mm-hmm. But um, but I love them now. Oh, I mean, good. you know, yeah, yeah, they're delicious. Yeah, yeah, they are. I, for a long time, I had an um, internalized dislike of anything that was southern. So when I was a kid, I refused to eat them. Oh, really? Because I didn't want to be associated oh, oh, no. with the South. Uh, um, and I loved them, too. Um, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> it is sad. Like, looking back, oh, poor Annie. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Both peanuts are good. <laughs> but for anyone who is like, what are you talking about? This brings us to our question. Yes. Boiled peanuts. What are they? Well, uh, boiled peanuts are a snack food that consists of uh, fresh peanuts that are not dried or roasted, but rather boiled in their shells with uh, seasonings added to the cooking liquid. Where fresh peanuts are not available, uh, boiled peanuts may be made from uh, raw peanuts, which are in-shell peanuts that have been dried a bit for shelf stability. And then in order to use them, you soak them overnight to reconstitute like the way that you would with dried beans um, prior to the boiling. That seasoning you can do all sorts of things, but uh, but the typical mix is super salty, like a cup of salt per gallon of water. Yeah. Oh, so salty. Um, mm-hmm. It gets so tasty. Um, on top of that, uh, Cajun-style seasoning is really common, like some garlic and onion powder, uh, black pepper, cayenne and paprika powder, maybe some oregano and thyme. Um, more hot pepper for kick if you want to. Um, maybe, uh, you know, stock subbed in for some of the water to add a sort of richness or like toss a ham hock in there. Um I am 98% convinced that the bar near the office boils their peanuts in their hot dog water. Why do you think that? Because it tastes like their hot dogs. Oh, well, okay, that makes sense. I know for purists, like if you're looking for the food controversy of the episode, it's only salt only, and water. Oh, really? Yes. Ooh. Yes, that is it. But well, I like some Cajun. I like some spice in there. Oh, yeah, I like a nice kick to it. Personally. And some people do like Dr. Pepper. Ooh, yeah, what? Dr. Pepper or Coca-Cola for a real <gasps> Southern experience. That is, yeah, yeah. I, they're usually not served with anything. They're usually just served like like mm-hmm. plain. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So so you boil them for like three hours in this cooking liquid. And yeah, they're served in their shells, hot, plain. Like like a lot of southern dishes are like you necessarily put a bunch of hot sauce on it. But I've never seen anyone put anything on their boiled peanuts. I think that would be blasphemy. I think it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and the shells are, are like damp and soft enough that you can pull them apart really, really easily with your fingers. And um, the, the kernels inside will be kind of moist too. And sometimes you get like a little bit of cooking liquid in the shell. Yeah. Sort of like a little oyster shooter. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I guess that's another, not controversy, but like how do you eat boiled peanuts? Because some people like to break them and some people like pry them open at the shell. Like you bite into it and then the shell opens naturally. Uh-huh. Some people eat the shell. Oh, I have, I've heard that. I don't think I've personally witnessed it. I do it if the shell is really soft. Okay. You know, if it like we bite into it and it's clear that it's not going to crack. It's, it's not going to, yeah. Mush. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so right. So that so speaking of the texture can range depending on um, the peanut, you know, fresh versus raw, and, uh, and the type of peanut and the boiling time in question. Um, the texture of the of the kernels themselves can range from soft and almost mealy, almost like a black eyed pea kind mm-hmm. of texture, to soft and sort of springier, like like edamame. Yeah, that's yeah. how I like it. Yeah, oh, I, mm-hmm. I think I like them a little bit mushy. Um, <laughs> Uh, and yeah, the, the flavor will depend on that seasoning mix, but they're they're salty and savory and rich and just highly snackable, especially with a cold drink. It's like, well, why not have one more? Mm-hmm. And they're served in baskets of like 20 billion. So yes, yeah, yes. it's usually a hearty portion. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I do like them spicy and yes, on the on the mushy end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think that's pretty traditional as the mushy kind. And that's, I mean, I have got no problem with eating a lot of mushy muffins. <laughs> I've had them both ways, but mm-hmm. I the first time I had them, they were the mushy side. So ah. I think it's kind of the, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is what it is. What is this other thing? Yes. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Food that I'm recently introduced to. <laughs> <laughs> I have an opinion about you now. <laughs> and no one was surprised. <laughs> nope. Um, speaking of peanuts, we did cover a bit about peanuts in general in our peanut butter episode called The Spread of Peanut Butter. See what we did there? Yeah, mm-hmm. from, uh, from June 2018. But... In brief, because I just like talking about it. Mm-hmm. It is true, yes, that the peanut is neither a pea nor a nut, uh, though it is a lot closer to peas than nuts, botanically speaking. It's in the uh, same family as peas are. And peanuts grow underground. Uh, the plant looks like a small shrub. It grows these delicate, wee little yellow flowers that look a tiny bit like orchids, uh, which wither. And then instead of fruiting right there, like most peas or beans would, they send out a little shoot called a peg. And the peg grows down into the ground, and there it forms a peanut, a a woody shell, encasing one or more kernels. And these are the plant's seeds, and yes, they happen to also be pretty tasty. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A few varieties of peanuts are grown for different purposes. Uh, Valencia peanuts, which usually have at least three kernels per shell, uh, each with a red skin and are a little bit more sweet than some other varieties, are particularly popular for boiling. Though uh, Virginia peanuts are also a popular boiled variety because they're um, they're bigger than most other peanut varieties. So you kind of get more bang for your buck. Mm -hmm. And unlike roasted peanuts or peanut butter, boiled peanuts are not shelf-stable. They're a fresh product. Um, fresh peanuts only last a couple weeks after harvest before they go off, and so they have to be used locally or shipped quickly or, uh, you know, frozen canned, something like that. Fresh peanuts for boiling also have to be treated more gently than peanuts for processing. Uh, crops are often hand harvested to preserve the look of the shells. They're harvested starting a little bit earlier than other peanuts, um, as soon as late June. And for this reason, fresh peanuts are sometimes referred to as green peanuts, although they are not green in color. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nutrition-wise, uh, you know, it's 
peanuts that have a bunch of salt added. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're relatively high in fat, but also high in protein. Um, and yes, high high in salt. If you eat a bunch of them and you're trying to watch your sodium, that's probably not what you actually want to have just done. No, no, no. <laughs> Peanut numbers. The U.S. is actually not the largest producer of peanuts. That would be China and India. Um, in the U.S., though, Georgia is the largest producer. Over 42% of America's peanuts come from Georgia's peanut belt. In 2012, U.S. peanut farmers churned out over 6.1 billion pounds of peanuts. Mm-hmm. And not one but two U.S. presidents were peanut farmers, um, which out of 45, you know, I think is pretty impressive. Um, yeah. Thomas Jefferson and Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because fresh peanuts are more finicky than processed peanuts, uh, fewer farmers do produce them. Um, As of this year, a marketing specialist with the South Carolina Department of Agriculture estimated that of the 522 peanut growers in the state, only like a dozen or so were selling green peanuts. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And I suppose boiled peanuts are a summertime snack. I never would have thought that personally, but that's what I read. Um, (laughs) I see them all over all the time. Um, and I suppose also that, yes, they are a southern thing. Yeah, well, they're harvested fresh uh, in the summer, though Though you can, right, make them year-round from dried peanuts, from raw dried peanuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are the state snack of South Carolina, thus named in 2006. Gotta have your state snack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we noticed them a lot in grocery stores out on Oahu. Or I did. And it, like, like in, in the fresh section of grocery stores, there oh. were big bags of, like, peanuts for boiling. Really? Yeah. I feel like I, every time we went to the grocery store, I somehow ended up not going in or like, you know, not looking around. <laughs> so I never really got to observe. Uh, yeah. I believe it. Weren't, were we at a bar that gave us boiled peanuts as a snack? It seems possible. As a complimentary bar snack? Well, I have been recently. <laughs> I thought it was in Hawaii, but it's all a jumble up in my brain right now. So who knows? That's fair. We when when eating out is is part of your day job, it can kind of it can kind of run together. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it can. But speaking of running together, I guess <laughs> boiled peanuts have quite a history. They certainly do, and we will get into that just as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! Woo! 
roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins. Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. It turns out there is a lot of lore and misinformation concerning the boiled peanut. There is. <laughs> yes. And big thanks to Robert Moss over at Serious Eats for helping to sort all of it out. Very yes. great resource for, for this episode. Mm-hmm. According to him, the boiled peanut captures several of three main tropes. I would guess all of them when it comes to people trying to get to the bottom of where something came from in the South. Mm-hmm. It was a civil war, cheap stuff elevated, or white people figured everything else out first. So all of that's kind of going yeah, on. Yeah, those are those are common tropes in just about every food that you get in the South. People are always like, oh, yeah, well, it's popular because of, right, right. one of those or all three of or, those yeah, things. There's usually a version for all three. Yeah. <laughs> and to reiterate, peanut episode is a different episode. I do love how we've done peanut butter and boiled <laughs> peanuts. We're closing in. Oh, we are. We are. We're, we're narrowing. <laughs> right. Yeah. One day. Huh. But quickly, relevant to this episode— The peanut originated in South America, and the Portuguese brought it to Africa, where it quickly took off. And then enslaved Africans brought peanuts back to the Americas. It became a dietary staple fairly quickly in the South. But the historical record is quite scarce, partly because the word for peanut wasn't settled on in America until the 19th century, and partly because if white people weren't doing it, it wasn't considered worth reporting or recording. From the South Carolina Convention and Visitors Bureau, quote, It is said that during times of war when soldiers were in need of nutrition with high protein and without cooking facilities, they boiled peanuts over campfires. They discovered that these peanuts would not spoil for several days. So as for the Civil War version of the boiled peanut events, Uh pretty simple. Sherman's march through Georgia shut down supply lines. Soldiers turned to peanuts as a source of nutrition, and the only options they had in the way of cooking them was to roast them over fires or maybe boil them, probably more likely roast them. Yeah, water was a little bit scarce too, so you wouldn't want to waste your fresh water on peanuts. No. No, no, no. Sad story, though. (laughs) A North Carolinian by the name of George Brownrigg sent some peanuts to his brother in London in 1769, who also happened to be a member of the Royal Society, with a note saying, basically, slaves eat these things, both raw and roasted. And at that time, most peanuts in America were farmed in small patches that enslaved Africans were allowed to have to feed their families. Mm -hmm. Um, 
They were eaten boiled and roasted and were used in soups and stews. And going back to Brownrigg, he and his Royal Society friends were using peanuts to feed livestock, extracting oil from them, which they believed could be used as a substitute for more expensive imported oil. And uh, whale oil, perhaps specifically. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. In 1849, a physician wrote about how South Carolina was using ground peanut as an article of food on the plantations. Around this time is when rich white people started eating the peanut, ground up into soup, or served as a dessert, parched, then mixed with sugar. The Carolina housewife from 1847 had a recipe for ground nut soup, which was peanuts simmered with oysters and maybe sea pepper. Oh, that sounds so good. I know. Why have I not had that? I know. Okay. <laughs> we can fix this. <laughs> Confederate troops during the Civil War did eat a decent amount of peanuts, um, and not just out of necessity. They were popular wartime foods. An 1866 article from the Jackson Clarion wrote of the peanut, quote, it was much sought for during the war by soldiers from that region called goober grabblers. Grabblers? Indeed, they never fought better than with a goober patch in their rear. Then they felt at home. Further, a song printed on sheet music that same year in New Orleans called Goober Peas was a favorite among Confederate soldiers. It went, peas, 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 eating goober peas. Goodness, how delicious, eating goober peas. I wish this war was over when free from rags and fleas would kiss her wives and sweethearts and gobble goober peas. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't sound like it was a pure necessity thing. No, it no. sounds like they really liked them. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and they, they, again, they were probably eaten raw or roasted as opposed to boiled, but still popular thing. Mm -hmm. Because of the interesting way peanuts grow and mature, fresh green peanuts were extremely perishable due to their high moisture content and would go bad quite quickly unless dried out or cooked. African Americans knew a way to prepare and eat fresh green peanuts. However, an escaped Union soldier making his way back north wrote of the peanuts given to him by African Americans and freedmen, quote, boiled peanuts, which was a favorite way of cooking when the bean was too green to bake. And that all boils down to Boiled peanuts being seasonal, (laughs) generally running from August to October. Similar to what we talked about in our okra episode, peanuts were sometimes used in place of difficult and expensive to procure coffee. Peanut oil was used in place of whale oil. And after the war, while eating peanuts roasted was fairly common across the country, boiling them was still mostly limited to black southerners. And they were very southern because once you go further north than Virginia, no more fresh green peanuts. Yeah, especially before transportation was such a thing. Exactly. The north did love their nickel bag of roasted peanuts, and the south grew more and more to cover demand. In 1871, the Scientific American wrote, There is hardly an article of American production that has grown so rapidly in importance as the peanut. Wow. Wow, yeah. In 1860, 150,000 bushels produced. A decade later, over 500,000 bushels. Almost half of that came from Norfolk, Virginia. It wasn't until the 20th century that white chefs started preparing boiled peanuts. Newspapers in South Carolina had write-ups about how they were being served as snacks in late summer, early fall. Fairs began serving them alongside other Southern classics like Coca-Cola. They frequently paired together. Mm -hmm. Um... They were a more popular option in small towns, though. Coinciding with this, boiled peanuts spread deeper south into Georgia and Florida. 1910s in Georgia, by 1917, they were a frequent description in newspaper articles about social gatherings and parties in Tampa, and papers in Alabama made many mentions of them by the 1920s. The rise of the peanut might have had to do with southern farmers looking for something else 
besides the troubled cotton monoculture. For instance, George Washington Carver's passionate pleas for peanuts around this time. Um, dozens of cotton mills were repurposed into peanut presses by the time World War I came around. And as white farmers became more familiar with peanuts, they realized that boiling them was delicious. And further, the act of boiling them made for a fun communal gathering. Probably white folks were taught how to boil them by their black neighbors. In 1939, the Augusta Chronicle described the talents of a South Carolinian African-American farmer, chef, and peanut king that he had mastered, quote, the art of boiling properly with just enough salt in the water to add that unexplainable twang, which makes every peanut something to linger over and enjoy. Oh, yeah. It's true. <laughs> unexplainable twang. It's <laughs> <laughs> a southernist description of anything I've ever read. <laughs> unexplainable twang. Exactly. Hmm. Interestingly, despite being one of the top peanut-growing states, Virginia was slow to get on the boiled peanut train. In 1917, a gathering of farmers in the largest peanut processing center in the state, um, at the farmers, when told about boiled peanuts, they had no idea what they were. Huh. Like, oh, oh, weird. weird. <laughs> what are people getting up to? <laughs> Speaking of, we need to talk about the North for a second. We do. Uh, but first, we're going to take one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. 
Yes. So north, the north, <laughs> they they saw this as kind of a strange thing the south is up to. Uh-huh. Um, they started taking notice of boiled peanuts in the north in the 20s with something like, oh, yeah, these silly southerners, hi. Uh, papers did write-ups about it and the, quote, goober areas. In summer months in the south, droves of hawkers would line the streets selling bags of boiled peanuts. And people would write about this. A 1921 newspaper article out of South Carolina described a boiled peanut epidemic. (laughs) Quote, the small vendors are everywhere. In the elevators, the barber shops, lobbies of office buildings, and almost everyone buys, for they are usually fresh boiled and boiled peanuts are a popular tidbit, even more so than parched peanuts. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say that around the time, um, press coverage in the North of anything that the South was getting up to was not necessarily positive. No. No. No, no, no. <laughs> and the boiled peanut was synonymous with the South. A 1946 AP article about boiled peanut season described it thusly, the season in which hundreds of unsuspecting Yankees are taken by surprise by the soggy Dixie delicacy. (laughs) It described confused northerners demanding an explanation after purchasing a bag of what they thought were parched peanuts while visiting the South. (laughs) Turning around promptly and being like, what is this? What is this? It is moist. (laughs) I don't like this. Why is it not roasted? Mm -mm, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Another article around this time claimed that northern soldiers stationed in the south detested boiled peanuts, much preferring the roasted variety. It was just a southern thing enjoyed by southerners, the article concluded. Like, that's just the way it is. (laughs) (laughs) And then, in 1959, a White House subcommittee had a meeting, quote, to discuss the definition of boiled peanuts. It was a closed-door session. What? Yes, Boiled peanut legal drama. And it's a lot of legal drama. It is. This is not a thing that I suspected would come up. Me either. Okay. So this all started with a 1938 provision that regulated the supply of commodity crops like peanuts to regulate the price. Mm -hmm. For farmers that followed the voluntary regulations sticking to the allotted acreage, they were eligible to government pricing structures. There was an unforeseen side effect of this measure, though, because um, the side crops that were planted instead of these commodity crops flooded the market and sent the price of those way down. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To combat this, the Secretary of Agriculture implemented a measure in 1955 that stipulated that in order to be eligible for the pricing structures, farmers had to stick to federal guidelines around production for all crops. This spelled bad news for peanuts, which no longer was as rewarding to grow. Um, It was particularly bad for boiled peanuts because more money could be made by roasting them or turning them into peanut butter, peanut candy, or oil. Some southern legislators came together to pass a bill in 1957 that gave peanuts marketed prior to drying, a.k.a. boiled peanuts, an exemption, but expired in two years. So in 1959, they were attempting to renew this, and their efforts caught the attention of the press. A representative from North Carolina stated that in some parts of the U.S., quote, immature peanuts are boiled and eaten as a green vegetable similar to spinach, which I find a tad misleading. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I suspect that that representative had had not had a boiled peanut before. Oh, my gosh. I, are, are either he's trying to get it lumped together with, like, the healthy spinach. 
Or I, I just, I'm, I'm thinking that he was like, green peanuts, they're green. <laughs> like spinach. Pop, Papa, I don't know. It could be. Anyway. It could be. <sighs> this was happening in the middle of the civil rights movement. Rosa Parks, desegregation, the Bethel Baptist church bombing, all of this was happening. A senator from New York, Kenneth Keating, took the boiled peanut legislation and added onto it all of the Eisenhower administration's civil rights programs in order to bring a civil rights debate to the floor. Oh, wow. Yep. One Southern legislators had long prevented. Yeah. This peanut exemption. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, yes. It was significant to all the Southern states that were doing the blocking. It was called the Keating-Goober Rights Amendment. Wow. And Southern legislators railed against it. They hated it. They tried to spin it so it looked like they were the compassionate ones for black farmers of peanuts, as well as the white ones. Um, They also tried to turn the focus to how delicious the boiled peanut was. You wouldn't hurt the boiled peanut. Uh, One (laughs) senator had 50 pounds delivered to the Capitol, but it backfired. Non-Southern senators did not like them. They did not like them. They found them mushy and bland. For his part, Senator Keating said he found them fine, but that, quote, certain gourmets have, in fact, come to me with a plea that I do everything in my power to remove the boiled peanut from the culinary scene. Oh, snap. What? (laughs) Gosh. Yep. The peanut bill did make it to the floor. Civil rights were discussed, but Keating withdrew it after a day-long filibuster. Peanuts were granted another two-year exemption. Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. Boiled peanuts became inextricably linked to civil rights. The exemption sort of became shorthand for the government's inaction on the, the whole thing. For example, a 1963 article in the Los Angeles Times headline, Is Goober Time Again in Congress? Huh. Came with this bit. When the measure moved to the floor to debate, One congressman demanded to know whether Matthews had brought samples, while another said for the record that he would vote for the measure only on the condition that he didn't have to taste any of the damned things. (laughs) (laughs) Political humorist Art Buckwald wrote that same year, quote, With this boiled peanut bill out of the way, Congress is now free to discuss other vital subjects of interest to the nation, such as whether seatbelts should be required in automobiles and whether the flying of kites should be allowed in Washington, D.C. I didn't look into the kite thing, but for the record, seatbelts were not required in cars in the United States until 1968. So as of uh, 1963, when when that article came out, it was considered a very silly thing to legislate by huh. a lot of uh, by a lot of yes. states and and national government officials. And then I I didn't look into the kite thing either, but <laughs> I saw it in multiple articles around this, so it must have been a thing. Well, there you go. There you go. 1963, you were wild. Yes. The Civil Rights Act passed in 1964, and the next year, the boiled peanut exemption became permanent. I am glad for the record that both of those things managed to work themselves out. I am as well. Uh, Perhaps greater emphasis on one than the other, although I do love a boiled peanut. Mm -hmm. Um, Skipping ahead to today, uh, American peanut farmers are having kind of a rough time of it as um, summers have become hotter and drier and uh, large, damaging hurricanes more frequent. It has been in- increasingly difficult to get a, a good, solid crop. Um, the-, the current administration's trade wars and high tariffs have not helped either. Um, average peanut prices are, as of 2019, the lowest that they have been in modern history. But uh, boiled peanuts are enjoying something of a cultural comeback, um, along with the or 
first. It, it, don't call it a comeback. I'm not sure. Like it, it, <laughs> uh, along along with that larger trend of Southern cuisine across America and beyond. Um, very briefly, uh, like okay, so soul food cookbooks were the new it thing around 2007. Like McDonald's launched its Southern chicken sandwich in 2008, which is like a fried chicken sandwich with a pickle and some mayo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, bon Appetit magazine named Southern the cuisine to watch in 2009 and then again in 2013. And in the midst of all this, you got um, big name chefs and uh, smaller chefs in, in various regions around the states promoting these down-home Southern dishes as delicacies and fusing them into other cuisines that were perhaps more familiar to the country at large. Um, like uh, Hugh Axon um, published his Turn in the South, Southern Flavors Reinvented for Your Kitchen in 2011, and it included a recipe for boiled peanut hummus. I have seen a lot of boiled peanut hummus. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Huh. Tasty okay. stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope that I had no idea. Um, I just assumed, like, I knew it was a Southern thing, but I assume when people try them, they'd be like, oh, these are good. Yeah. But reading this, I'm not so sure. So I'd love to hear from people outside of the South. Well, I think it's one of those texture expectations. Like, if you hear peanut and you think crunchy and Mm -hmm. then you have the soft thing, you're like, what? What is happening? Yeah. So you have to kind of divorce the two in your mind. You're like, this is not going to be like a roasted peanut. This is a separate thing. Right. And that's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. My ex-boyfriend was from Wisconsin. And we would always have this funny misunderstanding because we would go to baseball games every now and then, but not enough to, like, solve this thing. <laughs> but um, he would always say, I'm going to go get peanuts. And I would always think he's going to get boiled peanuts. And he would come back with that bag of, like, dried oh, peanuts. Oh, sure. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? Oh. Do they sell boiled peanuts at local? Um, a lot of baseball stadiums, yes. Um, huh. And a, a lot of sporting events. But I... I actually have never done that. I usually don't get snacks at stadiums, so I've never looked, but I just assumed when he said peanuts. Yeah. What other kind of peanuts? What do you mean? <laughs> what? Weird. What? Wisconsinite? Yes, yeah. come on. They were fine. <laughs> they were fine. <laughs> they were, I feel like they, boiled peanuts dry your mouth out, but I feel like those kind in the bag are worse because the shell is so dry and salty. Maybe it's just in my head. I don't know. But I was always so thirsty. Oh, sure. After eating them. Yeah, well, it's quite salty. You're probably out in the heat in the sun. Yes. Yeah, yes. it's a whole thing. It you is. might be having a beer as well, which Maybe. is also not hydrating. Mm-hmm. Making many mistakes. Yes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's about uh, all that we have to say about the boiled peanut today. But it brings us to Listener Baseball game. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Clearly. Ashley wrote, A few years back, my husband and I were stationed in Okinawa, Japan, while he was serving in the U.S. Air Force. While he didn't deploy during this time, we were stationed in a fairly dangerous area due to the typhoons. In our three years there, we never experienced too bad of a typhoon, but every typhoon warning, we went about the same tradition. We would stock up on movies, crafts, games, and friends, and of course, (laughs) a pile of MREs before we were locked down to our houses. 
Before every lockdown, we would visit the shopette, military code for grocery store, to grab some supplemental supplies along with snacks and copious amounts of alcohol. <laughs> Once the typhoon was underway, the fun started. We would have competitions with the stack of MREs and supplemental items that resulted in a huge feast where us and a few of our guests <laughs> would battle it out chop style <laughs> to see who could create the best dish from the random items selected for the perfect amount of chaos and the MRE they blindly drew from a box. The rules were simple. Each dish must contain either an appetizer or dessert, a main dish, and a mixed drink, usually involving alcohol. The winner was selected via a voting system, and the winner received voting rights and a shot from our expensive bottle of habu sake. (laughs) Thank you for reminding me of some great memories and detailing some great history of the MRE. P.S. We all want pizza MRE, and Chili Mac is the best MRE. (sighs) Ah. Maybe one day, pizza MRE. Yeah. I would love to know more about some of these creations that resulted from, right? from this. Oh, goodness. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like wild times. It does indeed. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo wrote, I was just listening to your pizza episode, and by coincidence, I just had a new, let's call it pizza experience yesterday that you might enjoy. But before I get to that, here's a not-so-brief comment about something else. In the episode, you mentioned green peas as being a popular topping in Brazil. This is the second time I heard this factlet. Uh, The first one might have been Stuff You Should Know, and I find it befuddling. As a Brazilian who's eaten lots of pizzas from all over the place, I've never seen green peas anywhere. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. If there's one thing that sets Brazil apart is that we put everything on pizza. So I'm sure there are green peas somewhere. Or maybe they're a favorite in some very specific region. However, it's definitely not a national thing. Uh, Not only had I never seen green peas on pizza, I've never even seen it discussed as a preferred topping. That said, here are some of our most bizarre combinations we have. Uh, Most of these come from South Brazil, where I come from, and other regions will have different stuff. Uh, As I said, we put everything on pizza. Chicken hearts. Stroganoff. Uh, California, which is all kinds of fruits mixed in, sometimes including figs, grapes, apple, and pineapple. And melted chocolate with strawberries. Okay, enough about Brazil. As I listen to this, I'm traveling in Argentina, and yesterday, in between wine tasting, I tried a local dish— Matambra a la pizza. Matambra is a very thin beef cut taken from the outer layer of the ribs, right beneath the skin. I don't think there is an equivalent cut in the U.S. While a cut of meat doesn't sound like a weird pizza topping, that's the catch. It's not a topping. What the Argentinians do is replace the pie with the matambra. So it's just a regular mozzarella pizza, but built on top of a layer of meat instead of bread. I gotta say, it was quite delicious. You should try it. Oh, man, that is the most Argentinian thing I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> I so love fun. it. <laughs> That's so fun. How beautiful. Oh, gosh. Also, yeah, I don't think I've ever had a cut of beef uh, quite like that before, and now I really, really want to try it. That sounds good. That sounds good. This this sent me down, down a whole, like, whirlwind of, but what is pizza again? Oh, yeah. There's no bread involved, is it, pizza? Is it, is it pizza? I guess you feel it in your heart. You do, you do. Pizza is a feeling. Pizza um, is a feeling. And I hope I said, I, I hope I'm saying matambra correctly. Um, anyway. We try our best. We do, we, we do. do. <laughs> and we appreciate both of them uh, writing to us. Yes. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where we are... SaverPod. Mm-hmm. Um, and I promise if you've written in on Instagram, I will get to your message soon. 
It's been a busy couple of weeks. Um, uh, yes, Savor is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Yes, you! Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga! How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.